Hey, how many of you guys have ever had that kind of experience where, I, I wanna set this up a little bit. Um, how many of you guys have ever had the experience where you're kind of at that place where you're going, God, I'm not quite sure what the next step is, right? Anybody, ever? All the time, okay. And you're in that place and you know that God has created you. There's a, something I want us to get kind of in our mind. You know that you are a, there's a person that God means for you to be, right? So that you can accomplish the purpose that he has for you, right? And so we are constantly in this, this pull of God, what is that next step I need to take to become the person you want me to be so that I can accomplish the purpose that you have me on this planet for, right? In those times, how many times do you pray and you go, God, this is a prayer I prayed before. It's, it's kind of like, God, just tell me, right? Can you send me like a text, an email? Can you give me a you, old time, you know, it used to be a phone call, nobody uses phones anymore. So text, email, something. Can you just tell me? Because we're convinced that if God just told us, then we turn around and we do the thing he told us. But it's a little more complicated than that, isn't it, right? I mean, I don't know about your life, but I found that some of the things that God has told me the most clearly are the things that I don't necessarily want to do. And I find myself kind of going the other way. Today, we're gonna be starting looking into a story. We're gonna be digging into this for about the next month. And it's a very relatable story. It's also a very frustrating story because I think it shines a very bright light on this, this reality that just because, just because we know what God wants us to do doesn't mean that we necessarily take his advice or take his directions. So we're gonna be looking uh, into the story of Jonah for the next several weeks. Let's stand together. We're gonna be starting out in the book of Jonah at the beginning in chapter one, verse one through three. So let's listen to what God has to say to us through his word this morning. Jonah one, one through three. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. There it is, right? The word of the Lord came to Jonah saying, Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, "Go, arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry out against it. For their wickedness has come up before me, but instead, <laughs> that's, right, that's that phrase that changes our lives, right? But instead, <clears throat> mom said, go do this, but instead, right? God said, you need, but, okay. But instead, Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship that was going to Tarshish, paid the and went down into the ship to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. God sent him the text, right? God spoke to him, he said, this is what you need to do. For you to become the person that I mean for you to be and to carry out the purpose that I mean for you to carry out, this is the step to take. But in one, one decision, Jonah both caught the boat and missed the boat at the same time, right? Today's sermon is titled, Missing the Boat. Yikes. Father, thanks for today. And thank you that you always meet us in your grace and with your relentless, relentless, relentless kindness towards us. And so we know, Spirit, that you are here. Holy Spirit, you are here to speak to us and to speak to our hearts and our minds and our wills and our, our whole person. As some of us are in the process of hearing from you, some of us are in that process of 
running from you. Some of us are in the process of just, in, just wondering, God, what do you have to say to me? Where should I be heading? What should I be doing? And so, Father, come and speak to us this morning. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. I pray that our hearts would be open and that we would hear from you, from your word, that word that we need to hear so that we might be the people that you need us to be to carry out the purposes for which we were made. We pray these things for your glory, Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, who's given all things for us by the power of your spirit. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. So when you take on the one hand the God-given ability, right, all of us know this, but the God-given ability to make choices, but then you combine it with the fact that just because we have the ability to make a choice doesn't mean that we're gonna make the right choice, right? You combine those two together, and what do you end up with? You end up with what we call regret, right? You guys know, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? So you, you choose something, but you're not sure that was the right thing to choose. You choose something, you know that wasn't the right thing to choose. There's this thing called regret. When I was six years old, I was on my way to... Um, I was on my way to school, and I realized about halfway there that it was show and tell day. And on show and tell day, everybody brings something to the show, everybody in the class, and something that's supposed to wow everybody. And I realized I didn't have anything. And so immediately, that was my first regret that day. But <clears throat> I looked down, and I was desperate. I looked down on the ground, and I found, you know, they had those little beads, little cylindrical beads, plastic, that we used to string on strings and make like chokers and stuff. Some of you guys might remember those. Um, I found this bead down on the ground, and I, I, I suddenly, it was like my brain says, okay, there's a clicking going on here. Is there anything I can do? I got the clip on. Okay, we're gonna try and not move my head. <laughs> but I found this bead, I reached out and I thought, oh, my salvation, so I took this bead, and you know what I did? I stuck it in my ear. And so I went to school, and for show and tell, I went around to everybody, and I said, look what I got in my ear. And none of them had one. So it worked great. And I thought everything was going great until I couldn't get it out of my ear, right? And then all of a sudden, I had to go to the emergency room. Well, not the emergency room, the doctor's office. And uh, we had to pay 50 bucks that we didn't have so that he could take his specialized little you know, ear tweezers, <laughs> and he could reach in there, and he could pull this thing out of my ear so that it didn't cause any damage. At that point, I thought, you know, that may not have been the best choice for show and tell, <laughs> right? That was probably one of my first memories of regret that I can remember in my life. And, and I gotta tell you, it wasn't gonna be the last, right? <laughs> but just because I could make a choice didn't mean that I was gonna make the right choice, doesn't mean that I was going to make a good choice. We have regrets over things that we do. We have regrets over things that we haven't done. We have regrets over maybe who, our sec who we got as second grade teacher, who we took to prom in our senior year. Maybe we have regrets over what we chose as our major in college, either the first time, the second time, or the third major that we chose in college, right? We, we have regrets about that lie that we told our mom about not eating the cookies when we were about five years old. We have regrets about maybe the job that we took or didn't take, the job that took us away from friends and family, or that job that kept us in a place that we felt like we're stuck. We have regrets, and some of them are easier to deal with. Woo! 
Some of them aren't as easy to deal with. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go with it. Sorry, you guys. If it's here. Wow. <laughs> Some are easier to deal with, but, um, you know, the, there have been whole studies on this idea of regret. What they have found is that we regret at a deeper level, by far, the things that we have chosen, not the things that we have chosen to do that were wrong. Because immediately we look at those things and we start to work to fix them. And so we see those as things that are fixable. But typically the things that we regret the deepest are the things that we chose not to do. The things, the opportunities we let slip by. The boats that we feel that we never got on board with that we let sail off and that we miss, especially when we feel that those opportunities had something to do with the person that we were created to be and the purpose that we were created to fulfill. And so a lot of people, now I think that when it comes to the story of Jonah and what this has to do, because I think you know, Jonah was in that tension of figuring out, God, what am I supposed to be doing? Now, a lot of us have heard the story of Jonah, and, and Hunter, thank you for your introduction for us. Jonah and the whale, everybody's heard that story. He gets swallowed by a whale, he gets you know, all that story. But uh, not many of us have, had, um, have heard the backstory. How many of you guys know the backstory of Jonah that happens long before the whale? Yeah, not a lot of people, because in 2 Chronicles, not many of us are perusing through the Bible and say, I'm gonna start reading 2 Chronicles. But... <laughs> If you look at 2 Chronicles verse, um, chapter 14, verse 23 to 25, the writer is giving this history of the kings of the northern kingdom Israel and the southern kingdom Judah. And in the midst of that, in verse 23 to 25, it says, in the 15th year of King Amaziah, who is the king of the southern kingdom of Judah, Jeroboam, who was the son of Joash, and he became the king of the northern kingdom called Israel. So we're talking about this Jeroboam, and he's actually the second guy, Jeroboam. So Jeroboam the second, he's the king of Israel. He takes his throne in the capital of Samaria, and he reigned for 41 years. He did evil in the sight of God, and he didn't depart from the sins of that first king of Israel, which was his namesake, Jeroboam the first. And uh, with which it says Jeroboam caused Israel to sin against God. So he didn't remove those things. He didn't, but he did, there were some accomplishments in his reign. And it says, he did restore the border of Israel from the entrance of Hamath, which is way to the north, as far as the Sea of the Arabah, which is basically the Dead Sea in the south. So he had this large stretch of land that he brought under the rule of Israel and it was according to the word of Jonah. So Jonah had a lot more going on in his ministry and in his life, aside from just this whole story about being swallowed by a whale and going and preaching to Nineveh. In fact, this was all stuff that was happening beforehand. In fact, Jonah was probably the most, the most influential, most significant prophetic voice in the kingdom of Israel at that time. He was a big deal. He had spoken a word, and it had come to, into being to where... He had spoken this word that Israel is going to great, kind of gain its greatest strength and influence of that day. And from that point on, it was going to collapse from that point on. But Jonah had been behind that. So here he is. He's in this time that Israel wasn't doing the right thing. So they were worshiping idols. They weren't paying attention to the poor. They were doing evil in God's sight. But it still says they were doing okay. They were doing well, right? And he's doing well. 
He has, um, he has come down through this lineage of prophets. So in the northern kingdom, there was also some of you guys have heard of Elijah and Elisha. I mean, these were major guys, and he's of that line. In fact, many consider him to be the last of that line of prophets. There was this line of significant prophets that started with Elijah and ends with Jonah. So he is this major figure. He's doing well, and, and, and things are going well, and... And I'm sure in that time when his life is going well, he has prominence, he has influence, he probably doesn't want to mess it up. And that's when God's word comes to him, go and preach to the Ninevites. And that's going to mess everything up. Now, I don't know about you guys, but my experience with God has been such that I can really relate to Jonah here. Because there are many times that I find that God's timing doesn't always line up with what I have going on, right? The things that God calls me to do don't always line up with what I think I need to be doing. I gotta tell you, and I'm gonna just personally, for example, just prior to coming here to Rhode Island, Carrie and I were really having a great time out in Colorado. Now, in Colorado, you gotta understand, we have history out there. We had these friendships of over 20 years that we were finally able to kind of reconnect with. You, you wake up every morning, you look out to the west, and there are these huge, beautiful mountains. And the weather's astounding. And we had this really fun group of people we were working with in this church. And we started to think, you know what, God? Maybe this is God's place for us for a while. Maybe this is where he's going to anchor us in and call us. And, and we, were kind of getting, we were kind of getting settled into that. And that's when I got this unexpected email from this church out in Rhode Island. And I got to tell you, I wasn't looking for that at all. You know, sometimes it's really hard to follow God's call and God's plans when they seem somewhat disruptive. It's hard to believe that God's call is going to be what's good for us when we already think that we know and we are experiencing what is good for us, right? Have you guys ever had that experience? God says, I want you to do this, and we're kind of going, well, you know, I'm, I'm doing okay. You know, I kind of like how things are right now. He says, yeah, but I need you to become the person that I've called you to be. I need you for the work that I've created you for, that purpose in your life. Sometimes we have a hard time following God. And for Jonah, it even, it was, even got deeper because the people that God was calling him to go preach to, they weren't even people he wanted to see. He, he didn't want to see anything go right in their lives. If you guys know about who the Ninevites were, the Assyrians, whose capital was Nineveh, at the time, they were kind of growing. They were emerging as an empire that would become, and historians call this the first real world empire that that humans had ever seen was going to be the Assyrians. They were going to take over. Once they started rolling, they were going to take over everything, including Israel, including most of Judah. They were going to take the people of Jonah's people of Israel, and they were going to haul them off into captivity. They were going to completely crush this empire that Jonah had spoken that word, right? Jonah spoke the word that that. The boundaries and the borders were going to be expanded to the north and the south. Jonah had become kind of raised in prominence because he had spoken that word. And now here are the Assyrians, the ones that Jonah sees 
on the kind of on the horizon as those who could potentially not just mess up his own life, but mess up everything that he had going on, everything that he knew in Israel. So Jonah found it pretty hard. Pretty hard to go preach to these Assyrians, preach to these Ninevites. Now, I want to tell you also, because there's an interesting twist here when it comes to God himself and this people that he was reaching out to with his mercy, because the Assyrians, the Assyrians are actually the group of people that developed this means of punishment, this means of kind of a show of force called crucifixion. The Assyrians. The Assyrians developed that. Here is God telling Jonah to go preach this message of salvation to the very group of people who's going to develop the means of torture and of death by which his own son Jesus would be put to death hundreds of years later. And yet he reaches out to them, not just in judgment, but proclaiming his judgment with the offer of saying, if you turn, then you can see mercy instead of judgment. You can be brought into my plans as well. You guys, I don't know, but that, that, would, have been a tough, that would have been a tough call to answer, wouldn't it? That would have been a hard call to say, okay, God, yeah, I'll sure I'll do that one. Can you see why Jonah might have wanted to run? The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Yes, it had. And Jonah was like, yes, it did. So good. But instead, Jonah ran, and he went the other way. Got on a ship to Tarsus. You know, isn't that what we do, though? Isn't that what we do when God calls us to do something or to be something or to live in a way that we don't understand, we don't agree with, we don't like? We turn and we run. In fact, we, what we try to do is we, we try and just kind of maybe shut down the presence. It says that Jonah ran from the presence of God, but we try and shut out that, that voice of God in that area, don't we? I don't like what you're saying, so if I could just minimize it here. I like all this stuff you're saying, but I don't want to hear that. And have you ever found when you do that, that that seems to be the one thing that God wants to talk to you about from then on? It's like every time you pray, the thing that comes to mind is that thing, and you're going, Really? You want to talk? So you shut him out a little bit more, and you shut him out a little bit more, and finally what you find is you've, you've, tried to, you've tried to push yourself away from the very presence of God. You know, you notice in this story that from this point on, it says that Jonah went down and went down and went down. God said, arise and go to Nineveh, and it says, so Jonah arose and he fled. <laughs> and then it says, and he went down to Joppa, and he got a ship, and then he got on the ship, and he went down into the ship, and then we're going to find that he goes down into a deep sleep, and then he gets thrown down into the sea, and he sinks down into the sea, and he gets swallowed down by a whale, because the further and further we get from the God, we keep going down, down, down to try and get away from him, and at some point, it's even like God kind of gets behind it. God th- sends a storm, so he gets thrown, and God sends the whale, so he gets swallowed down. And finally, Jonah gets down to that deepest part, that place is furthest from God and seemingly furthest from his mercy. Because we, we think when we're getting away from God, when we don't agree with him, we think that we're, we're finding good, Right? We think that we're, we're getting away from God because he has a bad idea and we got a better one. 
But what we find out in those moments is that, you know what? God is our good. God is all the good that we have. In Psalm 16, I, I just, Psalm 16, David wrote this. He says, preserve me, O God, for I take refuge in you alone. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord, and I have no good besides you. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance in my cup. The boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places for me. Indeed, this inheritance is beautiful to me. I have said to the Lord continually, I have set him continually before me, and because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my glory rejoices. Sometimes we wonder where the joy has gone in our lives, and the joy is gone because we keep pushing away the one who holds joy in his right hand. His joy and his presence evermore. My flesh will also dwell securely, for you will not abandon my soul to the grave, nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo the decay of death. You, have, you will make known to me the path of life, and get this, in your presence is the fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. You guys, Jonah knew this psalm. All of Israel knew this psalm. These were the psalms of their greatest King David. And they would, have been, they would have known these psalms. In fact, you know, he probably thought about these things as he got further and further away from God. He probably thought about these things as things got darker and darker and things got more and more silent and more and more kind of desperate for him. In those times we, we try to get away from God, I also have noticed, you know, that's when the Holy Spirit, he just becomes annoying because he keeps bringing up God's word that keeps saying, you know what, my promise for you is that there will be light in this darkness if you will just come back to me. There is joy available if you'll just turn back to me. If you'll just come back to this plan that I had to make you the person you were meant to be, designed to be, and accomplish that purpose that you were intended to accomplish. So it's kind of like, you know, even in those times we can run, but God doesn't let us hide. Instead, he pursues us. He chases us. We expect it should be a judgment. More often what we find is that God chases us with his kindness. And it is a very important, man, it's such an important moment in our lives when we finally realize, you know what? It is better to be with God, even in a place like Nineveh, than to be without him anywhere else. Amen? In his presence is the fullness of joy. So I'm reading all this, and then all of a sudden this thing, this, this thought kind of jumps into my mind as I'm reading this story. And it just kind of jumped up out of the page. And it, do you know why Jonah ran? And do you know why God pursued him with kindness instead of with just condemnation. Jonah ran because in spite of all of his experience as a prophet, in spite of all of his pedigree, his ability, in spite of all the great things that he had done, in spite of all of his influence, this one was too big for him. He wasn't ready. It wasn't just like out of his comfort zone. This was out of his league. If he was going to accomplish this, there had to be some major reconstruction that happened in him. 
right? There had to be some major reshaping of, of values and perspectives and purpose. Here's, this, here's Jonah, and he comes down from this super, he's like, you know, anybody else in Israel would have seen him as this, like the superstar in the superstar line of prophets. They would have said, no, he's the one that spoke this word that just broke things wide open so that Israel could be a success. He, he's the one, you know, he was this big deal. But then with these simple words that God threw at him, he said, Jonah, go preach to the Ninevites. It showed Jonah where his breaking point was, right? It showed him where this limit. He showed, he showed Jonah, this is kind of the end of yourself, in yourself, in your own strength, in your own abilities, and all that you bring to the table, this is the line. That's why he ran. But God had to show him that because he needed to get him past that line. And Jonah wasn't going to get past that line on his own, was he? So Jonah ran because he wasn't ready. How many of us, <laughs> how many of us would say that we'd love to be used by God, right? In some major way. I mean, some of us think really big. We think, you know, I'd love for God to, like, draw me into Ukraine and then settle that whole thing so it saves all these lives. I'd love for God to kind of drop me in and, you know, um, in the middle of, like, Somalia or Ethiopia and just find a, find a way to kind of fix that whole, the mess, both politically but also the famine that's going on, you know, save lives. I'd love for God to put me in a, in a place where I can do this research and I find, like, the cure to cancer or something. I love, love and, and some of us, we're just going, you know, I'd love for God to just send me in my family because it's a mess, right? I'd love for God to just use me in, in that, that family across the street that we've gotten to know, and, and they're, they're just, or I'd love for God to just pull me alongside of that, that classmate of mine or that, or that, that co-worker of mine whose life is just collapsing right now. I'd love, we'd love for God to use us, but we don't always ask the question, what would it take for me to be the kind of person that God could use there? Because typically that's taking us beyond that line of everything that we bring right now. And God has to stretch us and he has to rebuild us. He has to reshape us. What does it take for a person to be used by God to do that. It's over our heads. It's beyond our imagination sometimes. But God says, that's the person I've made you to be. That's the purpose I've called you to. So can you let me help you get there? And that was the work that God was doing in Jonah, right? That was the work, the change. Why does God let us run? Because he knows we're not ready for the thing he's called us to do. Why does he pursue us with kindness instead of just condemnation? Because he knows that's the very thing we're called to do. And he's the only one that can get us there. So sometimes we're running from God. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that, but we run from God and we expect him to be so angry that we've just screwed up everything that he intended for us. But instead, we turn to him and he says, good, finally, now we can start. Like, really? I expected you to just backhand me and throw me on the back shelf or something. But he says, no, I knew you weren't ready. He just is asking us to turn. You guys, you know, there are so many stories in Scripture where that's the case. You know, you think about even Israel. Israel comes out of Egypt, and they're all ready, and he says, I'm going to take you into the promised land. And they go up there, and they're just not ready. 
So they say, oh, we're all going to die. And God says, okay, I'm going to take you in the wilderness. And we look at that and we say, see, God's mean. And he just crushes them. He says, I've got to make you the people that can actually accomplish the work that I've called you to do. So he takes care of them all through the wilderness, doesn't he? Feeds them, watches over them. They have shade in the day and light at night. Israel. He did it with Israel. He did it with Jonah. He does it with us. Why does he let us run? Because we're not ready. Why does he chase us down with kindness? Because he knows that thing that we're running from is the very thing we're created for. What do we take from this beginning of the story of Jonah? What can we take away? First is this. One, know this. God has created you for significance in this world. God has created you for a significant purpose in this world. But he has to make us the person that can do it, right? But you have a, he has made you to be, you're an intentional purpose, an intentional person with an important purpose in this world. So the first thing is knowing that, look for that, listen for that, listen for that call of God. No matter how you react to it, no matter how you respond, listen for God's calling in your life. Because he created you with intention and he has, he has intended you for purpose. Now, that purpose will probably have something to do with people. Why? Because God loves people. And he uses us to reach and impact the lives of the people that he loves, even if they are people that we don't love. Right? It'll probably have something to do with communicating something, even if it's something you don't want to say. It'll probably have something to do with going to a place that's not just out of your comfort zone, but maybe even over your head. Because in his call, God will stretch us to become the people he intended us to be and accomplish the purpose that he intended for us to accomplish. So look for that call. Listen for that purpose. Last, you know, a couple weeks ago, I had asked you guys to do something, right? I asked you guys to write down three to five names of people that you felt like God might be putting on your heart to begin praying for. I said, and start praying for them. Just start praying. God, what is it about these people that's so important to you? What is it about these people that is so important to my life that you have put them on my heart? There's something about the person I am and the purpose you have. And so I want to encourage you guys, if you haven't done that, do that. Write down those three to five names. And put it in a prominent place, whether it's on your steering wheel, whether it's on your mirror in the morning, whether it's on your refrigerator. I don't care where it is, but put it somewhere where every day you'll see that staring at you to remind you, okay, God has made me with a person, as a person with a, a purpose in him. And somehow these names are tied into that. Because it'll probably be people and start praying for them. Some of those names, though, get ready, because some of those names are not the names that you're going to want on that list. Some of those names you know are going to require you to, to maybe speak, have some conversations, or to, to do some things, or to go out of your comfort zone, way out of your comfort zone. But look for that, because God has created you for significance and impact in this world. Amen?
Second thing is this, know that you in yourself cannot fulfill that call. God in that call has probably drawn a line that shows you where you will come to the end of yourself and you're gonna need to come to the end of yourself. So know that you, God is going to stretch you. Sometimes it feels stretch you to the breaking point, but he does not allow us to break. That's not his intent. He is committed to one thing. Do you guys realize this? God has one thing on his mind, that you might become the person that he intended, that he designed you to be, and fulfill that amazing purpose that he made you for that will be the most significant and important thing in your life. That is his only thing going on in his mind. Now, part of that has to do with a relationship with him. Part of that has to do, but he has designed you for something, and he intends to see you carry it out. And when we start bucking against that, that's when we find ourselves bucking against God. But know that you are not able to fulfill that in yourself. And as a result, (laughs) lean into God as he works to transform you. Don't try and run from it. Lean into it. Okay? Got those two? Third one's important. Third one's probably the most important because finally know that even when you run, God will be chasing you down with his kindness and his mercy because his only intent is for you to be the person that you were designed to be and to fill that purpose that you were designed to fulfill. His only purpose is that you might find yourself to be complete, that whole person that you have the sense within yourself, I was created for something. He's saying, yes, you were. And I intend to help you find that and help you live that, help you be that. In Romans 9, 15 to 16, some people quote this in a really odd way, but there is such a grace in in these two verses. It says, God said to Moses, I will have mercy on those on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. You know, in Christ, God said, has shown us, he is having mercy on us and compassion on us, and that is of his choice. And listen to this, though. It says, so then it does not depend on the one who wills or the one who runs, but on the God who has mercy. Isn't that true? It's not about me and my ability to say, oh, I'm gonna follow God, and I just buckle down and do it. And it's not about me going, I'm going to run away from God. It's about the God who has mercy. And when I align with him, he uses me. And when I run with him, run from him, he chases me down. Amen? You know that last song we sang? Oh, the, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Man, just chases me down. You guys, this is not about our ability to pull something that God has for us off. It's not about uh, all that we bring to the table. This is about God's ability to do this miracle of taking goofballs like us and goofballs like Jonah and using us to do amazing work that brings salvation into the world. So lean into God's call. Listen for God's call. Lean into his transformation right? And trust him that even when you think you've completely missed up, you've missed the boat, you have, right, you've, you've, and and you have all this regret, know that with God, 
there, there's no regret. This regret thing, because he keeps chasing us. He will not let it go. Know that even in those moments that we think we've lost everything, that God has committed himself to, and it's not about the one who wills, it's not about the one who runs, it's about the God who has mercy. Amen? We have a good God, don't we?